Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. I'm Frederick Bell, the CEO of Elemental Royalties. And we are a gold-focused royalty company that listed in Canada in the middle of 2020. And our key differentiator is that right from the outset, we have high-quality cash-flowing royalties that make up 80% plus of our portfolio. Brad, how are you? Good to see you. Been a while. Very good, thanks. Yeah, for uh, probably uh, for, we're probably sitting within sort of five kilometres of each other. We are. Um, we are. <laughs> but it's safer this way, Fred. It's safer this way. Hey, well, look, um, th- thanks for that intro. And good to see you again. Um, Source of news uh, come out today. Um, some good news, actually, because I think it's one of your, your bigger royalties. You want to tell us a little bit about it? Yes, it's actually, it's the biggest royalty we have. And we acquired it as part of the South 32 acquisition that closed in, in early 2021. And it is 2% royalty on Australia's newest gold mine, uh, Carla Winder Mine in Western Australia, operated by Capricorn. And really, really important de-risking event for us is they've been building this mine over the past year and they just had first gold pour um, at, at the end of June. And so coming into Q3, they'll be ramping up um, and bringing the mine up to full, full production rate. And that is, that's absolutely key for us because it's that mine on a full year basis almost doubles our royalty revenue um, single-handedly. So to see that, see that come in on time, on budget, despite COVID, it's, it's really encouraging and look forward to further announcements from them over, over the course of uh, the next couple of months. Fantastic. So what does, that, what does that actually mean in dollar terms for uh, your, your cash and cash situation? So on an annualized basis, it's about four to four and a half million dollars in, in royalty revenue to Elemental. And for perspective, we announced $5.1 million, which was in 2020, of, of gross revenue. And so to have Carla Winder coming on um, in, you know, in the next sort of month or two in, in a serious way, um, that that's the biggest catalyst um, so far, um, and it will be our biggest royalty, you know, going forwards. And a bit like our Wang Yan royalty, a 10 plus year reserve life, it, it's really important because it doesn't just, you know, add extra revenue, but it adds extra revenue with a long runway ahead of it. And also with a tier one jurisdiction in Western Australia, which is something our portfolio didn't have as much of before. Okay, so just let's talk about some of the other numbers involved. You talk about it like a long runway. So it's currently 10-year life of mine. What else do you know? Because obviously they put out, Capricorn put out an announcement themselves last week. What else do you know in terms of their intent on this, in terms of the current resource reserve numbers, the expiration budget, et cetera? So, so Capricorn have um, said they're uh, putting out a new reserve and resource statement in Q3. And so with the mine just having come on stream and going straight into an updated resource and reserve is is really encouraging from our perspective. And they put out a few exploration results um, in the first half of the year, uh, which is really near mine um, drilling that they've done. And and from our perspective, I think that's that's really encouraging. They did the original pitch shell for this at at about $1,200 gold equivalent. And um, I think there's, um, there's some scope there for them to to maybe optimize that and actually increase the um, increase the resource that's there and and what's mined and you know from us as a royalty holder obviously um, we always like to see exploration going on we always like to see you know new resources and reserves coming in and never more so than when it's an operating asset because that is materially de-risked you can go to your exploration project and add hundred thousand ounces 
it still has to you know, get over the hurdle of building the mine. When you've got an operating asset with all the capital invested and they add an extra 100,000 ounces, there is a, a, a really high likelihood that you will be seeing revenue from that down the line. Right. So this is a fairly big plan. I mean, how, how much scale has this got ahead of it? You know, can they increase the size? Because it's already quite big, right? So what are they going to do yeah, about so that? Can they finance that yeah. out of... It's a really, um, it's a really large, it's a really large, relatively low grade, about one gram a ton deposit. And so, what they have actually done over the last eighteen months is they've optimised the mining plan, which has meant you know increasing the throughput. So it's, it's guided for about four point two five million tons per annum, which is which is really big by by you know gold mine standards. And I think um, from from our perspective. Um, you know, it's it's actually one of the benefits is is you know with size and scale, um, you, you know it kind of sometimes blends out variances in the grade. So you often see in gold mines you can have quite variable production quarter to quarter depending on where they are in the resource. And um, I think in in with Carla Winder, what we've got is we've got a very large lower grade resource which is going through the mill at a at a really high run rate, and and that. For us, should give us a you know a more steady royalty revenue going forwards, um, quarter to quarter and, and year to year. So let's just rem- again remind people when you, when you've got a royalty over something, it's a royalty over very specific assets. So if they do this up, upgrade to the resource reserves, your royalty still is co- covers that, does it? Yeah. So the royalty at Carla Winder covers all of the existing resources and reserves, um, and um, you know the foreseeable. Um, any additions um, and expiration has really been done, I think, within a very small area around the existing pit. And, and that's something that, again, probably important to touch on, but a lot of the mines you're seeing coming on in Australia, probably not dissimilar to Canada, are sort of redevelopments of, of old mines from maybe the 1990s, early 2000s that were put on current maintenance. And this is, this is a, a new mine. And so in terms of exploration, there has been a lot less exploration done um, regionally around this than there would have been had it been an old brownfields mine. And so from our perspective as a royalty holder, you know, it, there's a lot more exploration yet to be done, which always gives you more optionality. Um, you know, as always, you focus on building the mine, you get it up and running, you've got that 10-year-plus reserve life, and then once you've got the mine going, you go into the exploration, and then you can really start adding to it. And I think that's what we'll see over the coming year or two at Carlo Window. Okay, and have they given guidance on the the budget for exploration? No, so um, I think it, I think they uh, they they put some um, I think drilling numbers out. So I think they did about seven thousand meters um, over the course of Q one and Q two on near on near pit drilling, um, but they haven't guided by budget. Um, so we just know that there will be an updated resource and reserve in Q three. Okay, okay, Carlo, when it sounds good, royalty on. All of the land package and assets, good. What else is going on? What, what, in terms of expiration on some of your other the other uh, royalties that you have, you know, maybe you sort of again remind the audience in terms of what the near term revenue is. Yeah, so it's it's. I think um, some of our royalty operators um, give more detail than than others, and some guide by revenue and some by meters drilled. Um, at Carla Winder, um, they've guided, as I said, the resource and reserve update. Um, our, our second royalty, really, the Wang Yon royalty, um, which did about 175,000 ounces in 2020 with now Endeavour Mining as the operator. Um, they have, um, they guided by budget for this year. 
Um, so I think about 12 million US dollar budget for exploration there. And that mine only came on stream at the end of 2019. Um, so again, you know, pretty early on in terms of exploration and great to see them going that aggressively, I think, for it. And Endeavor now are a top 10 gold miner globally. And that is the second biggest budget they have in their portfolio. So over the course of 2021, we should be getting some pretty good updates coming out of Wangyon on the exploration side, which is, which is really encouraging. Um, and then a couple of other other royalties at Amankaya in Chile. Um, we actually, I think, have put out two exploration updates from there over the first half of the year. And, um, and that's you know, narrow, high-grade underground veins. So that typically requires quite a lot of exploration to define and delineate. And they had some really good hits um, uh, in, in the first half of the year, um, which I think is really encouraging because there hasn't been a lot of historical exploration there. Um, that resource was brought on to keep their existing mine nearby going. And so they sort of, you know, in a way, brought it into production as quickly as possible. And a lot of the exploration, I think, and potential is still to be defined. So really good to see them progressing that. Uh, Focus, one of our other royalties we acquired from South 32, Laverton in Australia, they will have an updated um, reserve and uh, resource statement at, at part of the um, deposit um, this year as well. Um, and so that is, um, I think, three or four of our sort of, you know, really material royalties that by the end of 2021 um, should be coming out with updated resource statements. And I think that's, you know, it's, uh, it's much easier for us to demonstrate the value and the upside once you've got some of these updates coming out and you can point to the fact that a million ounces went to 1.2 million ounces. And if you can do that continually year on year, you know, it really shows the value in the portfolio. And um, so I think by the end of 2021, having a few of those that we can demonstrate would be really helpful. Okay, well, I guess what I'm, I'm keen to understand is, you know, how, you, how you're building this company up, you know, where you think you sit in the marketplace. If I, if I look at 2021, you've got about six months of Carla Winder revenues in there, potentially, so you're six and a half, seven million bucks. You're going to have 12 months of color window next year and what a little bit more from, from, from the other projects. I mean, what's the number for yeah, next so year we, and 2024? We have um, almost, um, almost a, a year from today. Um, so the end of July in 2022, our royalty on Equinox Gold's Mercedes mine, um, that starts paying us. And so that royalty just had a clause in it that it only pays from a certain date. And so in about a year's time, that royalty, and it's a 1% royalty on that mine, um, starts paying us. So we have we have Carla Winder to come on now. Um, just had first gold pool in about a year's time. We have Mercedes that comes on stream, and that organic growth profile um, that I think is is really what we um, what we sort of bought into with the South Thirty Two acquisition. Um, and I think um, you know over the next sort of three three months or three or four months, we'll start to see that kick in um, with with Carla Winder reaching um, commercial production and. Um, for, for us, you know, when we set out to build Elemental, one of the things we thought about was, um, you know, creating that, um, we know we're going to have upside, you know, we're a royalty company that's been able to, to double our revenue year on year. And we see a long runway ahead of us in terms of royalties and opportunities, but the challenge is always, you know, what is the downside? And so when we set Elemental up, our, our objective was if we can get towards a, and it was always a sort of 10 million US dollar revenue number. If we can get to that from a portfolio of diversified royalties, then it really covers us on the downside. 
Because even if things go wrong, even if COVID happens and one of your mines produces less, you know, we will be cash flowing, we'll be cash flow positive. And that gives us a degree of independence from the market and a degree of control on when we raise money. And so for us, you know, the holy grail in the royalty space is producing royalties. And if we can do the hardest part first and tick those boxes, then it gives us the best possible platform to grow the company. And, you know, I can tell you from experience, for every one producing royalty we have seen, we probably see 20 or 30 exploration development royalties. And so to get those royalties from the outset, um, I think it's, it's the hardest thing to do. And if you can do that and add value at the same time, you, you give yourself the best possible chance of success. And it also really differentiates us in the marketplace. And you said, you know, where do we sit in the marketplace vis-a-vis -vis other royalty companies? And if you look at the sort of sub-billion dollar royalty space, um, you, can, you can get access to a lot of royalty companies with exploration and development assets. Um, it's probably a 10 or so royalty companies that fit that mold. You can't get many royalty companies that are our size. In fact, you can't get any and have the revenue that we have. And, you know, if you were looking at $10 million plus royalty revenue, you'd be looking 500 mil market cap and above. And we're a 100 million market cap company um, that's going to be ticking that box from, from Q3 onwards. And so that is straight away a really, really big difference and a really, really big de-risking event. And if you think that producing royalties normally trade at a premium, and we're currently trading at one times now, I think it highlights um, the opportunity there, um, both for us, um, but also um, as, as management, but also for, for shareholders, um, you know, looking for a good entry point. Do you know what's better than that? Being debt free. Yeah, yes. And that's, um, that's, that's a very good segue into Thank you. the- um, I thought into, about it. Into the, um, the Sprott loan from, we, we took from Sprott Resource Lending when we closed the Sound32 acquisition. And for, um, for everyone's background, we, this is the second time we've taken a loan with Sprott Lending. The first time was when we bought the Wang Yon royalty at the start of 2020. And we, um, we had it for about seven months and we repaid it um, when we listed the company. And um, when we did the South 32 deal um, that closed in, in early 2021, we took a expanded 25 million US dollar credit facility with Sprott Lending. And, and that was, um, I think, it was a sign of our maturity as a company being able to access that. Um, but it was, I think, from our perspective, you know, it's a nine plus one percent um, interest rate. And so it's, um, it's great to be able to get that, but it's also expensive, um, relatively speaking. And one of our key objectives for the company moving forwards and something that we thought we would be able to achieve is, is actually refinancing that, that credit facility and getting a, getting a better rate um, with potentially some of, the, some of the bigger Canadian banks. And if, if we can do that in the second half of the year, I think, again, it really ticks a box in terms of, you know, differentiation. And, you know, most junior royalty companies couldn't get a loan, you know, at 10%. And if we're graduating from that to something at 5% and we're going up to $10 million plus of revenue, all of a sudden you're looking at Elemental and you're going, well, they look much more like a mid-tier royalty company um, than, a, than a junior royalty company. And they're you know, at the moment, um, they're one of the, the cheapest on an absolute basis royalty stocks out there. Um, so that's, that's really key. And for us, Carla Winder is, is probably the key that unlocks that opportunity because it's not just almost doubling our revenue. 
it's almost doubling our revenue in a tier one jurisdiction, which of course give lenders, gives lenders a lot of comfort. And so um, it, was, it was sort of one of the things, objectives that we want to achieve post the South 32 acquisition. And again, I think will be a really important catalyst for us um, if we can achieve it in, in the second half of this year. Okay, you're talking a lot there about the, the, the size of company that was a, certainly the valuation for a, a company doing 10 million revenue. So that, that's a kind of a, a benchmark for you. When you hit that, you think that you should start seeing or start getting credit for um, that achievement and get a re-rate, okay? Yes. Yeah, no, I want to bring in these recent Ely deal, okay, the transaction there. I mean, do you think that was well-priced? Do you think it was a fair price? Is, it, is that reflective of the sorts of numbers that you, know, you think you should get or should you be doing better than that? Well, I, there's, there's, um, there's clearly at the moment in the last year, there's, there's a, um, another you know, group of new royalty companies that have come on and everyone is chasing growth. It's a very scalable business model and there are a lot of benefits that come with scale. And um, I think the two things, the two characters, characteristics, the two um, really you know, boxes that royalty companies want to tick if they're growing and growing successfully are quality assets and revenue. And that's, that's really what everyone wants to add and, and to build their portfolio with. And I think um, Ellie, um, it has some good quality assets in there. Um, and it, it had some revenue as well. Um, and so, you know, clearly that was a, an acquisition that, that they thought made sense, both for Ellie and, and for Gold Royalty Corp. But it's interesting because yeah, I think Elemental had almost double the revenue that Ellie did last year. I think we would have had more than double the revenue um, that they were sort of targeting this year. Um, and we have some really good quality assets with Carla Winder just coming on. And when you think that we're at a hundred million Canadian dollar valuation and, and that deal was just done at a $300 million Canadian valuation, I think it gives you, um, gives you an idea of, of, I think the, the value opportunity in Elemental at the moment. And you know, if I looked at us superficially from the outside, I might not see much that's different from the end of last year. You know? But actually when you look forward, and you say that, oh, hang on a minute, their biggest royalty is just about to come in. It's not reflected in their numbers yet. It's certainly not reflected in the valuation. And that's before Premier Gold comes in. It's before you attribute any value on any of the other assets. I think it's, um, it's, it's, probably, uh, it's probably the best time to enter since we listed the company in terms of value um, for the assets that we have. And um, I think that you know, even without that recent M&A deal on Ellie, and even without um, some of the newer entrants, um, I think it was it was apparent. But I think those really highlight um, the the value that that is in our portfolio. And I think um, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the royalty space over the next year or two. Um, it's it's always been a model that benefits from scale and it benefits from critical mass. Well, let me come at that another way. Your argument another way, okay? Because it's it's one data point, okay? So it's it's a transaction, so it says. You know, if, if the market will pay it, it'll, it'll pay it. But the, you've got one individual or one group who thought it was worth that amount. What other data points are you using to work out what, you know, you could be worth? Because you could argue they overpaid. You could argue that. I think some people said it to you when you did South 32, right? You know, so you could argue that. So what, what else are you looking at to say, do you know what, I, even if it was slightly... It, slightly more than perhaps the rest of the market wanted to pay. 
there's still enough data out there which leads us to believe that we, we're, we're doing this right and we will get to where we, we want to get and we, we can be better valued going down the line. What are you, what are you looking at? Um, I think it's, it's, you know, first of all, it's obviously what are the underlying assets and what is a ballpark valuation on that? And to do that valuation exercise, you'd, you'd want to see kind of discounted cash flow on the key assets. Um, what is the revenue it's producing? That's, that's sort of probably a second one. Um, but then around the assets, you're also looking at track record, management, ability to add value, ability to access capital markets, liquidity, a lot of those things, some of which are more intangible. And so it may be in this scenario, in this case that you just used, it may be that there are a number of intangibles that they believe will, will sort of, you know, um, I suppose, make the pie bigger for everyone and, and add that. Um, and I, I know that from, from our perspective, um, if, you, if you were looking for a royalty company with material revenue, you know, there is no one else that gets even close to Elemental. And, and that's where we are today, you know, even without anything over the next year. And it's ignoring our track record um, over the past couple of years. And if you actually take a, take a 30,000 foot view of the royalty space, in the last decade, there has not been a, a startup royalty company that has gone from you know, $0 to $10 million of revenue a year. There isn't one. There have been some that have come in with portfolios from majors and from others, but no one has done it from a standing start. And actually from, from Q3, Q4 this year, that's what Elemental will have achieved. And I think we would have done it in a really you know, intelligent way where we are trying to minimize the risk at every step by diversifying our royalty revenue and by having a really well-balanced portfolio. And um, I think, you know, if you took our individual assets out and auctioned them in a marketplace, I think you'd get a higher valuation than, than where we sit today. A lot of M&A talk going on at the moment. We just talked about one, one transaction there. Are you in the market to do more M&A? You've done SAT 32. Okay. It's good. Are you in the market to do more than that? And in fact, here's one for you. Would you did you get shown the Ely deal beforehand? Would you have done it if you could? Um, well, we've, we've known Trey and, and Ely um, management team for a few years, going back to when we were private. Um, so I think that um, obviously that was a transaction that they felt made sense for them in terms of... Um, you know, adding value for their shareholders and, and you know, being part of a bigger company. One of the differences between early and elemental is that we haven't actually been listed for a year even yet. And, um, you know, Ellie have been building that over quite a lot of years, um, you know, to get to this point. And so for us, where we sit today, we see the potential to double to triple the valuation over the coming years. And, and we think that that's easier to do as a hundred million market cap company than it is to do as a $500 million, billion dollar market cap company. So we're not against, you know, um, mergers and acquisitions and, and adding scale where it can really add value for shareholders. But at the moment, it would be difficult for us um, if we really do represent the best value. It would be difficult for us um, unless there was a, a really compelling justification and reason to go and become part of a bigger vehicle where actually it might be harder to grow and add value. And so um, I think Elemental, we, we, we sort of did a lot of work to put this, 
to build the company to where it was, to do the hardest part, which is producing royalties. And I think that um, the South 32 acquisition that was only closed at the beginning of this year, you know, that the benefits of that really kick in over the course of this year. And so um, I think it's it's always a conversation that um, that we can we can have, and um, we know all the other water companies in the space. Um, but I think for the moment, our view is that the best way to add value is is by doing some really smart deals for Elemental um, that 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 add you know um, add quality, add more diversification, add revenue. And if we can do that, then that's the quickest way to give our shareholders value. So. Using that logic, would you've done? Should you've done South Thirty Two? Yeah, I think it's um, it's it's sort of it's the key. Um, you know, when you're when you're trying to build a royalty company, um, and we said this when we listed the company. Um, you know, it's a combination of, of value and and scale. And when we had built the company privately, we had done an awful lot of value deals. Um, so those are royalties where I think you know it was it was really clear, compelling value that was added. And when we listed one of the, I think, sort of feedbacks, you know, we got, um, particularly for bigger investors, was you know, scale is also important. Because if your costs every year are a million dollars and you have $2 million of revenue, you have a million dollars of free cash flow. But if you take that $2 million of revenue and go to $10 million of revenue, maybe you've got, instead of $1 million cash flow, you've got $9 million. And so you really get the benefits of scale in the royalty model because your, your sort of operating costs are relatively stable. And, and that's why for us, a combination of doing those opportunistic deals and doing some that really add value and scale, I think that is a potent combination that will give us the best value. And um, when you look at something like a, you know, being able to put in place a credit facility, you know, again, the big banks don't do that for less than, you know, tens of millions. And, and so it's all very well, you know, adding a lot of value as a very small company, but actually it can be quite difficult to grow. And if you can, um, in our position, if you can have access to a credit facility and a very attractive rate cost of capital, and if you can have some really good assets in the portfolio that are cash flowing, we know there are an awful lot of opportunities out there in the exploration development phase that we can go after in due course. But we would like to do that as much as possible, being able to use cash flow having access to capital at a really attractive rate. And that's something that other people haven't had and haven't been able to do because it's the hardest way of doing it. It does require a more patient approach. But I mean, our view is it will pay off in, 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 um, in the medium and long run. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to CruxCast or our website, cruxinvestor.com and of course our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming and we'll speak to you again soon.